1.7 podcast. Uh, hopefully you've been enjoying this series of exercising our faith that I've been doing with my congregation here at the First Church of God in Stanton. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the discipline of service and joining me on this podcast is Josh Jameson. He is the uh, gardens manager over at the Heart Village over in Lake Wales, Florida. Um, he does a lot of cool ministries by helping people be prepared to do um, missions work overseas. He also does a lot of uh, agricultural and looking at different ways to kind of help grow food to be able to help serve not only his community in Lake Wales, but even to train others on how they can grow food over overseas. So Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks. So Josh, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. So um, for the last eight years or so, I've worked at a place that's in Florida called Heart Village. And Heart is an acronym that stands for Hunger Education and Resources Training. And it's a uh, facility where students come and they stay for either typically for 15 weeks or for three weeks or up sometimes even shorter. And um, it's an immer- immersive experience for them to learn about what it means to do um, global service work um, amongst the typically amongst the poor in the developing world. So places like Africa, Southeast Asia, Central America. Um, so our students may be going on to be missionaries or do something like Peace Corps. Um, and then some of them end up even doing community development-based projects in the United States or all kinds of interesting things. Okay. So when you say students, are we talking about college-age students or can this be like high school students? Um, like who are, who are like your target audience? Yeah. So I would say most of them are college students, but we, anybody can come, can come here. And we've had students as old as 55 or so. Um, last term, we had a pastor come train from uh, Zambia and he was 50 some. Um, So we also like a lot of our training is agricultural um, skills in plants and animals and other community development skills, such as health, basic village healthcare, um, nutrition, nutritional education, um, appropriate technology, things like purifying water. Um, So basically we, we hope a student graduates from the program having at least a cursory knowledge of all those different things. And if they go to serve in a remote community in the developing world, they at least have a basic skill set to make an impact um, wherever it is that they go. Good, good. So when, so when we talk about kind of this idea of the discipline of service, you know, we see a lot of times in a traditional American church setting, you know, service is usually about, um, kind of helping in food pantries or maybe going to serve soup at a soup kitchen or helping the poor. So why is this such an important discipline for a Christian and for the church at large? Um, well, to me, um, when you see, when you read through the gospels and you look at Jesus life, so much of what he does is service to others and his you know, greatest command is to love God and to love others as ourselves. Um, so in trying to emulate Christ, uh, the most basic way we see him living out his love on earth is to love other people. And so um, it's a, a crucial practice of the Christian faith and many other faiths, um, but a crucial practice of the Christian faith 
to humble ourselves and to put others before ourselves and to do, do whatever we can in service of others. And I'm certainly not um, always the best at that, but that's the goal. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, you kind of mentioned, you know, even at the end, like, you know, I mean, I'm not the best at that, which, you know, I think a lot of cases when we think about the idea of Christian service or just service in general, especially you mentioned that, you know, in other religions, that's crucial to, you know, one's practice of their faith. I think when it comes to service, sometimes I think that we can very easily miss the mark in some cases, or other times we can make service about other things, uh, Mm -hmm. except on what it actually is supposed to be. And, you know, I think for an example, you know, I can think about, you know, there'd be times where, especially my youth, um, because again, I'm, I'm an old man. Now. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but even in my youth, I could think about, well, I'm going to serve in this ministry or I'm going to go to this, you know, I'm going to go help out at this food pantry because I have nothing better to do. And that's kind mm-hmm. of the attitude where, you know, for Jesus, when I read the gospels for Jesus, it wasn't just like, well, it was convenient for him. You know, sometimes, there's times where it was inconvenient, you know, the time when he's ready to get on the boat and he turned around and he saw the great crowd with bringing all their sick and people who needed help. And he said that he was moved with compassion and he basically went and helped them. Um, So I think, you know, when we talk about, you know, not being the best, what are some of the challenges that maybe you have experienced yourselves or you have seen others experience when it comes to trying to serve in a gospel in a gospel sense, but what are some of the shortcomings that comes to service? Well, um, since I work in mostly in educational capacity, um, I think the, my constant struggle and my constant way I'm trying to recenter myself, um, is trying to, um, remove my sense of, um, my sense of superiority and that I think that I have something great to share with somebody else and that they have nothing back to offer. Hmm. And, um, in a, in a developing world setting, um, oftentimes people that are trained in a Western country think that all of their knowledge is superior and that everybody should just listen to them. And, um, in reality, in any setting, um, where there's two people involved, um, both people bring a great wealth of knowledge and their own individual experiences and context. Um, and so the, something that I'm always trying to recenter on is that both, both people are coming to the table with an equally valid, um, you know, an equally valid perspective and that any, any type of educational experience should always be a two-way thing where it's a mutual exchange instead of a top-down dynamic. And I think for Americans, it's really hard because we think of ourselves, we have a very um, fixing everything type mentality. If you put out uh, some kind of problem out in the air, people are very quick to think that they can just think their way out of it. Not acknowledging that oftentimes in the developing world, um, situations that are really quite complex. If somebody, um, 
people are dying of waterborne illness or something like that. There's all these compounding factors that make that situation a lot more complicated. And local people are um, very knowledgeable about their own situation and the topic at hand. And um, yeah, to me, that's, that's the biggest struggle is, is humbling myself, um, not trying to consider myself, you know, as the lowest and always trying to approach everything with a learning mentality instead of a teaching and telling mentality. Um, A lot of this thinking, I've been greatly influenced by the writing of um, Paulo Freire in my thinking about these things. So maybe an interesting read for anybody interested. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you're, I think you're really hitting the nail on the head here because you're looking at that top down mentality or even kind of a left right mentality where it's like, you know, there's where I think from a Western society, it's like, well, we have the education, we have the tools, we may have the money, we may have the power so we can kind of solve your problems. But I like kind of this idea of, you know, it's a more of a unity service is more about unity of Mm -hmm. joining together to coming down to humble yourselves. Even if you have a superior knowledge or superior wisdom, you know, well, you have to learn from their perspective because these are the people you're trying to help. And if you come in saying, well, this is the way you're going to do it. And it doesn't mesh with maybe their cultural ideas or maybe with the, education on how to operate certain things or how to do certain things, you know, then it ends up falling apart very quickly once, you know, the educated kind of make their way back home. And, you know, then they're stuck with trying to understand something that they don't quite get. Is that, is that a fair assessment to kind of think about? And also I think sometimes service can look like letting other people teach you something or share something with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I I think about, you know, when Jesus was washing his disciples feet, you know, he basically said, I have done this, so you must wash one another's feet. And, you know, even if we take that from an ideological point of view, and I don't even know if I said the correct word there, but the idea that, you know, different personalities, different backgrounds, different cultures, but they are still serving. So you could always learn from one another to, again, go to the goal, which is to you know, love God and to love others, which is seems to be the highest goal. Uh, so when you, so when I think about, you talked a little bit about your at heart, how you do a lot of stuff like agricultural stuff, or even trying to figure out like how to get clean water, the places, you know, what are some examples where you have learned from others to kind of help you, you know, not only train, but even maybe do some stuff from your own benefit of just kind of learning on like, different food sources or different plants or, or, or any of that stuff? Well, I think my most transformational experiences of learning have been um, from people in rural developing countries, um, in Central America or whatever, is going out into those communities and actually dialoguing with farmers. Um, for me, that's, that's more so than any other kind of education I've ever received. Um, and it does, yeah, that does just a lot to break down this hubris of thinking that Americans are so, um, you know, much more knowledgeable. When you actually go out and spend time with farmers, you learn an incredible amount. And um, spending time with those people has helped me pick up a lot of things that I can teach to students that may be going to different contexts. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I think that's who, who I've learned the most from. 
Yeah. What, what, what is a project that you have worked on or are currently working on that you're finding great value to kind of help serve others? Hmm. Well, um, there's a few things. So one is, uh, we've done these, uh, raised vegetable gardens for a lot of years and a couple of years, a uh, year or two ago, we made some major changes and installed these new gardens. Um, and I've started to really, um, intensify and dial down on a lot of different, really specific kinds of practices that can intensify and increase the amount of food that comes out of the ground per square foot. And a lot of the students have had been able to work in that. And um, I think more than anything, even more always, I think more than learning any specific technique is, is changing, is turning on a light bulb in somebody's mind and realizing the great potential of what exists. Um, the great capacity of nature to, um, to give us food and, and all the things that we need. Um, and for a lot of students, I think working in those garden beds and on the farm, um, and just, you know, for the first time in your life, bringing in big, heavy crates of food day in and day out, um, on a really small space, people get to see, catch a glimpse of what the world could be like to where, um, everybody in the world has what they need. Yeah. And especially when, you know, when you think about food and how even, I mean, I don't know what the statistics are. So maybe you might know like how many people have like inadequate food or inadequate nutrition, not only worldwide, but even just within our own, you know, you know, within our own nation, you know, the, the numbers yeah. are sometimes staggering. So the fact that you're saying you're able to, able to produce a lot of food from such small spaces, you know, I think that's kind of a game changer. And you also said something else about, you know, just when you get people who are playing, I guess playing wouldn't be the correct word, but who are working with the dirt, working within nature and really seeing like, Oh, look at all the cool stuff we can do. That's just kind of naturally happening. Like you don't really need a lot of, high-tech tools or equipment to be able to produce a lot of food. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. just the earth that we have can do a lot of great things if you can tap into the potential and the stuff that we already have, the resources that we already have available to us. Yeah. And um, part of the, well, yeah, I'm I'm not, it's hard to keep track of hunger statistics because there's so many uh, different definitions at play. And, um, but the, the answer is that there's a lot of people that don't um, have enough food. And if, in fact, a lot of our vision of what malnutrition or hunger is, is sometimes a little skewed because a lot of us have seen the images of maybe the famines of Ethiopia where you have a child, you know, there's that famous picture where there's the child and there's the vulture sitting off in the background with this child that's withered away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a result of somebody just not eating anything for a long period of time, which does happen. Um, But the much more um, expansive situation is that people are actually filling their bellies three times a day with calorie foods, but they're not getting, um, they're not getting everything they need in terms of vitamins and minerals and protein and fats. So it, that adds up and begins to affect the body in a lot of ways that are 
maybe hard to see from the outside. Things like um, stunting of growth. So like I know in Guatemala specifically, the um, it's about 50% of children are not at the height that they should be at age five or so. They're, you know, six inches shorter than they should be just from prolonged lack of access to adequate nutrition. Um, another huge one is vitamin A. So it's uh, something between 250 and 500,000 children go blind every year around the world from lack of access to vitamin A. Um, and ultimately, I think in about half of those end up dying because vitamin A ultimate, a lack of vitamin A ultimately kills you. A lack of any vitamin or mineral ultimately destroys the body. It makes you more susceptible. These things are compounding because if you're, say, lacking calcium, you're lacking iron, you're lacking protein, it makes you more susceptible to dying of waterborne illnesses, to dying of malaria, um, to all the other things that people are exposed in in these settings. So a framework for creating health is um, looking at that. And since you're mentioning the statistics, um, something that I've been really reflecting on is how the whole world has kind of come to a stop um, because of coronavirus, which is um, probably the for the best because we're seeing that um, this is killing people and we can we can take simple steps to stop people from dying. What's really sad is for me to realize that if you take something like lack of access to clean water, um, malnutrition, dengue fever, malaria, these kind of things that silently kill people all throughout the developing world, the number of people that die of those kinds of things will greatly supersede the amount of people that are going to die from coronavirus. But because these people are on the edges of society, uh, they kind of die quietly and, you know, in the really remote corners of the world, it's hard to get the, um, it's hard to get the political will and to get people motivated to care about those people's lives. So, um, yeah, this is turning into a bit of a rant, but I guess part of, (laughs) part of the, part of the um, program here is getting people to recognize those issues and to take them very seriously and realize that, um, we can, we can do a little bit to resolve that situation. We, um, in our limited capacity, everything we do, we have to trust adds up to something good that, um, helps to address that situation. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you're right, you're right on the money there. Cause I think that, you know, with time and resources that we as, you know, Americans have, we have the opportunity to be able to, you know, even if we can't be out there boots to the ground, we can always try to be knowledgeable about what resources are out there, or how we can, you know, even give or how can we help in those in those endeavors. And I think when it comes back to, you know, I think a lot of times when it comes back to service, you know, even when Jesus sent out the 12, he told them, you know, don't take, you know, don't take mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff with you, you know, just, just yeah. go and, you know, rely on the hospitality of others who want to hear the gospel message. And I think to see that in a modern sense, it's just like, you know, any little bit we can do, or even just the way of where raising awareness for ourselves to just say, okay, you know, this is an issue. This is a problem. What can I do to kind of help? Um, you know, I think that kind of gets into a mindset of really being in service. If, if I can go over there and help people, 
great if I can go to a heart institute and really train myself so I know have the basics on what I can do and to go over and help, you know, fantastic. Or even if for some reason I can't do it, are there other resources that I have that I can go and still make a difference in our world? Um, you know, and I think that's always great to kind of see that. So to tie that in, like what are some good resources that you can give to people, whether it's books, I know you mentioned an author you're reading and even just like information Uh about your own organization on what people can do to kind of help or, or even find stuff that they can go use to serve. Yeah. Um, there's all kinds of resources out there of varying degrees of all kinds of different opinions. Um, one book that's been very formational for me is called Two Ears of Corn by Roland Bunch. It's kind of specifically geared towards agricultural development, but really draws on that whole mentality of approaching um, service as a learner and um, honoring the great um, depth of each person that you encounter. Um, you know, there's going in and talking to people that um, I think is the best way um, to learn. But something I I did want to share is that uh, something kind of related to what you were saying is that something I think that's really powerful about heart about our program is that um, maybe a precondition to um, serving is trying to understand the conditions that somebody comes from Um, in order to serve. You have to be compelled to do it. And, um, yeah, something I think that's really powerful about heart is that it takes people um, who, like me, grew up in some random, you know, well-off situation in Northeast Ohio and puts you out in a really remote situation with the simulated conditions of not having um, electricity and those kinds of things for a few months and learning what it's like to take care of a small farm for sustenance with hand tools to be out there in the heat of the day, swinging a machete, um, getting bit by the fire ants, getting eaten by the mosquitoes, feeling like you're having a heat stroke. Um, all of those things are daily experience of farmers around the world and people that don't have a choice but to live out that reality. That's what they have to do for survival. And by immersing ourselves in that experience, um, you cannot understand what it's like to be a rural farmer in Zambia but you get a taste of what it's like to do that work you get you get a taste of what it's like when we cook our food over a fire like people like half of the world still does you get a taste of that and for a lot of people that taste of what it's like to live life that way is a really powerful motivator to go on to do service because when you start to see wow after 2 hours of working out on on the farm i feel physically exhausted. Um, I want to go shower and go back into the air conditioning and realizing that this is the daily reality of people that go back to houses that don't have showers, that don't have air conditioning. People that if they get hurt on the field, they don't have access to medical care. They're already predisposed to um, diseases. They already may be working under a condition where they're malnourished. All those things spur people on. Um, once you've, once you've experienced that and, um, whether or not that motivates you to go serve in the developing world or not, it at least informs you a little bit of how can I donate or how can I be praying for other people? Um, And if anything, you've come a little bit closer to the experience of the poor. And I think Jesus whole um, 
his whole scope of his life on earth is he became incarnate. He, he um, set aside his power of being God to enter the experience of being a human. And that was his act of service to us. So our act of service is as much as we can incarnate ourselves in the lives of the people that we want to serve. And through um, that sort of incarnation, we, we come to understand their situation and, and it informs us of how we can uh, serve them better. All right. That's very good stuff, Josh. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, do you have a website to uh, the Heart Institute? Yeah, uh, heartvillage.org. Heart, and there's, there's YouTube videos and other things. Okay. Awesome. Well, Josh, thank you so much for uh, sharing your time and sharing your wisdom with us. I definitely have learned a lot just from this moment of talking to you, and I'm sure everyone else who will be listening to this podcast will gain a lot from your wisdom. So thank you so much for sharing. Thanks. Yep, and guys, thank you so much for uh, listening. Hopefully you have enjoyed this podcast. Again, you can listen to this podcast on all the different sites, Apple Music, Spotify, uh, anywhere you can listen to a podcast, you can find it. You can also find us on uh, on my personal page on YouTube and even my website, thescottstebbin.com. And again, you can find uh, all the information that Josh was talking about at heartvillage.org. And again, Josh, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Thanks. And everyone, hopefully you have a great day and thanks for listening and I'll be back soon. Take care. Bye.